0: Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. Today we focus on a heartbreaking problem in society. Many children are growing up in an environment that's not exactly conducive to sound mental health. Each day, they are surrounded by bullies, either in the physical or virtual world. They're bombarded with messages of violence and revenge, and they're told to watch out for number one, and the one with the most toys wins. We seem to be living in a culture that glorifies selfishness and intolerance. What's a parent to do? dr jennings joins us via skype to offer some guidelines that moms and dads can use to help build sound mental health in children and young adults dr jennings
1: what do we need to know i think the first principle that people might want to start with is that healthy families require healthy parents Hmm. Hmm. and so instead of focusing primarily first on the children The first focus is, am I being the healthiest human being in governance of me and living in harmony with God's methods and principles and how I conduct myself? That is the first principle, because it really doesn't matter what you attempt to do if your methods, motives, and your own self-governance is unhealthy. So healthy families require healthy parents. And I want to say something about that, because there's this idea out there in a kind of cookie-cutter, absolutist, always-true way, which is not always true. And that is that it's always better to have two parents in the home than a single-parent home. That's not true. Studies have demonstrated that the healthiest homes for kids are two-parent homes when the parents are healthy, mature. There's no ongoing constant conflict and hostility or violence in the home. Hmm. That's the healthiest home, a loving, supportive, nurturing home with two parents. But the next healthiest home where kids do best and the best outcomes is a single-parent home with loving, nurturing, support, good structure, no violence, and low conflict. Those kids that come out of the single-parent home that's like that do better than a two-parent home where there's constant argument, hostility, conflict, and or violence. Kids don't do well. And the worst home is a single-parent home in which there's constant argument, conflict, hostility, and violence. And so the conflict, argument, hostility, and violence contaminates the home environment and, and injures developing children such that they grow up with more anxiety, behavior problems, more likely to act out, do substances, uh, have mental health problems later in life than if they're raised in nurturing, supportive, loving homes. So that's a general principle. With that, we can go into some specifics. Healthy families require healthy parents, and healthy parents are in governance of themselves. Hmm. I had a patient come see me who was uh, frustrated, overwhelmed at the end of his rope uh, when he came to see me because he had two teenage sons that every day he fought and argued and shouted and screamed at. He would uh, give his sons chores to do, and then he would come home from work, and uh, the chores had not been done, and he would go into a rage and scream at his sons for not having done the chores but the pattern never seemed to change. And he told me how he felt powerless and helpless and no longer the man of his home. And that's because he forgot where his real authority rested. And that was in governance of himself. He could not control directly the behaviors of his sons, but in attempting to do so, he lost control of himself trying to impose control on another. So we explored how changing authority over himself that he could impact his son. So he would come home and he would first ask the question, son... What happened today that the chores didn't get done, giving the opportunity for perhaps a legitimate crisis that arose that interfered, but typically that was not the case. And then instead of yelling or screaming, he instead expressed his sadness for them that having not done the chores, they had given up the cell phone, the car, the Xbox, the TV, the iPod, iPad, or visiting their friends or the football game this weekend or whatever elder privilege that is theirs when they complete their chores. And guess what? Very shortly, the chores started being done. <laughs> so first step is healthy families require healthy parents, and healthy parents are in governance of themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the second principle we need to look at for building sound mental health in children? The healthy families require healthy parents who are in governance of themselves right. and remember their responsibilities. Hmm. Maybe I should say what they're not responsible for. Parents are not responsible for how their children turn out, hmm. but they are responsible for their conduct in parenting. And this is where many people get confused. They, Many parents, I can't tell you how many I see, think they're responsible for how their kids turn out. And rather than focusing on their own conduct and how they parent, there's a Bible promise that has been, in my view, translated incorrectly that has led to much of this problem. Raise a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Right. I think that's a mistranslation. I think the more accurate translation is raise a child according to his way. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Meaning if you let the child dictate the terms of the child's rearing, let the child decide what foods they eat when they go to bed, whether they do homework or don't do homework or chores or don't do chores, et cetera, et cetera. You can be sure that the child will grow up indulgent, self-centered without any self-discipline. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. It's not a promise that if we do a good job, we get a good outcome. It's a promise that if we do no job, we're guaranteed a bad outcome. Now, truly the translation could go either way. It's it's open to either version. So how do we know which is the right one then? Well, how about if we have a situation in which we have perfect parenting, a sinless, flawless parent, as in God parenting Lucifer or God parenting Adam and Eve? Did that guarantee a good outcome? No, it did not. Aha. Uh-huh. So we know it cannot be if you do a good job, you're guaranteed a good outcome. It's that if you do no job, you're guaranteed a bad outcome. Okay, And so So parents need to stop focusing on, I'm responsible for my kids' turnout, and start focusing on, am I doing what's in governance of me, what's most reasonable, healthy, and, and appropriate for the circumstance and for my children? You're not responsible to be your child's friend, buddy, or getting their approval, but doing what's in the best interest of the child regardless of what the child thinks. I had a patient who couldn't understand why his adolescent son was always in trouble, vandalism, truancy, shoplifting. And then he described a lifelong inability to set boundaries with his son, at least without getting his son's approval first. He would say, you won't be mad at daddy if daddy puts you in time out, will you? Because his primary concern, he wanted his son to love him, and he couldn't tolerate it if his son was upset with him. So he was paralyzed in doing what was actually necessary for fear of the child's rejection of him. This is abdicating parental responsibility, and it ultimately results in injury to the child. So healthy families require healthy parents who are in governance of themselves and remember their responsibilities. The way you're talking here, the way you're describing how a parent should be,
0: is pretty close to what God is for us. He takes this stuff very seriously. He is involved with our lives. He doesn't want to be our friend to the point
1: where he is not willing to, to correct us and to discipline us. Am I right? That's right. You know, unless you take the principle of friends don't let friends drive drunk. There you go. Okay? There you go. Yeah. Okay? yeah if we're yeah. going to take that type of friendship, but we're talking about the chum, the buddy here on yeah. a human world that is is often the one who will just go along. That is not the role of the parent. The role of the parent is to do what's in the best interest of the child, even if the child doesn't understand it or gets mad at the parent and uh and this is one of the principles and you're exactly right this is what god does and if you look in the bible this is what he does all the time he does things that that we may not understand it seems confusing we might get mad at him think about a parent giving a small child a vaccine Mm. the child may not comprehend anything about what's going on and they might say why are you hurting me why are you hurting me i thought you loved me okay Mm. but of course it's because the parent loves them they're giving them their tetanus vaccine for
0: instance so when god comes into our lives, and he teaches us lessons, and some of those lessons are hard to learn. He is actually being a friend. We, 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 we tend to think, friends are not going to hurt me. Friends are going to protect me. Friends are going to keep the bad things away from me. And
1: that's not necessarily the friend that God is. I'm not going to use the word friend. I'm using the word parent. He's going to discipline and parent us. Yes, Jesus says to his disciples, I no longer call you slaves, I call you friends, because slaves don't understand their master's business. So certainly he does uh, invite us into understanding friendship with him. That is true. But that is when we're an adult and when we're mature. When we're childlike uh, and immature, then he disciplines us, and thus we need his oversight, restrictions, boundary setting. But he doesn't want us to remain children, so he has to parent us. He wants us to grow up in understanding friendship friendship. So we do what's right and reasonable because it is right and reasonable, but we never get there without being disciplined first. All right. Very good. We're talking about building sound mental health in children. What's next? Healthy parents communicate well with each other and they don't allow the children to split them. They don't allow the children to come between them. When they set boundaries, they communicate. So when a child asks for permission for something, they check with each other before they give permission to ensure that the other parent hasn't already said no. This is one of the tricks of the devil yes. that he's done with the Godhead. The oh. Godhead has been split. So we see the father as an authoritarian and enforcer, and Jesus, our friend who's trying to protect us from the father. And sadly, many, many homes work this way, in which the Father is the enforcer of the rules, and the mother is the one who pleads for mercy. It's quite distorted. The parents need to be united in loving discipline of their children. So they need to communicate well. Another one never set boundaries with your child you're not willing to enforce. Never. It's destructive to do so. And here's why Imagine that you had a uh, child and they were in first grade, and you said, Hey, if you study really hard and uh, get 100% of your spelling bee this week, I'll give you $5. And the child studies real hard and gets 100% of the spelling bee, and you don't give them $5, what did you just teach the child? Mm. You just taught them that you lie and you, you lie. cannot be trusted. Right. Now, you tell your child, if you don't pick up all your toys, you can't have dessert after dinner tonight. Dinner is served, toys are all over the floor, dessert comes out, and that child doesn't get one, and they begin to cry and make a fuss, and you then say, okay. You can have dessert this time, but next time, pick up your toys. What did you just teach your child? That you lie and that you cannot be trusted understanding that when you set a boundary with your child and they test it it is not about trying to get around the rule they're testing to see where they can trust you whether you're reliable they're looking for structure they're looking for safety and when you're consistent in keeping the boundaries with your child then when you sell your child don't go out in the street and play in the child's emotional world it feels to them like if i can't go out in the street then the street can't come in and harm me i'm safe in my yard but if you're inconsistent in keeping the rules with your child, then they don't feel safe. They feel insecure and they keep acting out until they find a place that's reliable and consistent where someone will keep the rules. And sadly, for a lot of people today, uh, they're having a trouble finding – it used to be law enforcement. It used to be truancy officers, but now it seems like nobody's enforcing rules and kids are getting more and more out of control. Well, Dr. Jennings, in the last couple of
0: minutes we have in the program, what would be the number one thing that parents could start doing today to try to build that sound mental health in children? What is just a daily, every moment idea that they can apply
1: to their children that will help them down the road? Number one, healthy families require healthy parents. And so the number one thing a parent can do is every day fix their eyes on Christ. Every day spend some time in their own personal spiritual development to become more and more like Jesus, to understand God, his methods, his principles, how God problem solves, and then bring those principles into their own life and how they govern themselves. Truth, in love, setting healthy boundaries that are enforced and bringing those to bear to bring your children to understand those very same principles both educationally, but also as they see you model those principles and how you treating others, forgiving those who have wronged you, seeking to be a peacemaker rather than a war maker, etc., cetera, et cetera. So the number one thing, fix your eyes on Christ, spend daily time with him and bring his methods into your life. It always comes back to Jesus, doesn't it? That's where
0: it comes back. Listener, you have been given some wonderful guidance here today, and I invite you to a website, com where that guidance can continue. Dr. Jennings has made available a lot of material that will help you on your journey To understanding and to loving God that understands and loves you. And that's what we found out today is so very important for the mental health of your children. Is for you to have that kind of relationship and that kind of working relationship with the God who created us all. That's comeandreason.com. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone.